No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. We are in the middle of the baseball postseason. The Washington Nationals are going to the World Series as we sit here now. We don't know if they're going to be playing the Houston Astros or the New York Yankees, but it is the first time a Washington team will be in the World Series since 1933 when they lost to the New York Giants. To discuss baseball and other things in the world of sports right now, we welcome our old friend, our colleague, a pen man, Doug Glanville. Doug, thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Doug, uh, what did you make of the annihilation of the St. Louis Cardinals in the National League Championship Series? I mean, you know, it was it was shocking. I mean, they, they beat them down. And, uh, I mean, you know, Nassau certainly played some of the best baseball uh, when you look back to June forward. And, um, you know, the Cardinals had a you know good win against the, the, uh, the Atlanta Braves, and that's a team that certainly could have knocked them off. But to be shut down offensively as much as they were, to constantly be trailing. In fact, they were trailing every single inning <laughs> the entire postseason against the Nationals. Uh, it showed that the Nationals are a much better team than anticipated offensively. They, they have a very good lineup, and they have three of the best starters out there right now that um, can go toe-to-toe with any rotation. So, uh, so they're going to make some noise in this World Series. And certainly if whoever they play is not playing their best baseball, they're, they're going to have their hands full. When we think of the Nationals up until this point in their history, since moving from uh, Montreal, we think of a team that never quite, of course, got there, that uh, underperformed, that um, uh, couldn't handle pressure when it was applied. What there's one obvious difference this year, but but it can't all be about uh, Bryce Harper. What's the difference with this year's Nationals? You know they they were 19 and 31 earlier in the year, and that you know there was seemingly no hope. Uh, Dave Martinez, their manager, was on the hot seat, and they were able to reset. For starters, a few of their key hitters were hurt at the time. They got healthy at the same time, sort of in a good way, and at the you know their pitching. Uh, found a way to gel. Even though their bullpen had struggled epically during the year, their starters started to come into their own. You think of Steven Strasburg, who early on in his career was shut down before the postseason because of an innings limit. And he came into his own where he's in the Cy Young conversation. So all that came together, and you found a team on the back end of this that was number one in the National League in on-base percentage. So they work counts. They understand how to get on. They drive in runs. Uh, they also had top three pitchers who struck out over 200 batters this season, three in their rotation. So, um, And I think the playoff format has served them well because you have all these days off, and what you're allowed to do is you know, apply rest as needed. They were able to use some of their starters in relief. Uh, so Scherzer relieved Strasburg, Strasburg relieved Scherzer. You know. So they're, they're kind of old school in that way because back in the 80s, these starters went eight, nine innings. They're finding ways to do it by mostly focusing on their starters in relief. So uh, with these days off, that plays very well for them. And you have to compliment Dave Martinez on getting the right strategy at the right time. We're speaking with Doug Landville, the former major leaguer, about the baseball playoffs. And... Uh, you know, for it's it, it's hard not to um, 
think of these nationals and in some ways think about the Mariners um, back in, I guess it was 2000, right? When it was their first season without Alex Rodriguez after he had gone uh, to Texas for the biggest contract at that point in the history of sports. And uh, the team, although it didn't reach the World Series, won, what was it, 116 regular season games or something like that, the record. And and, and having and, – and there's something about and, – and, and Bryce Harper uh, has been a great player. Uh, he's not the best player in baseball over the last few years. That would be Mike Trout. But is there something about – is there a parallel to be drawn about how a team can find – of course, Ichiro came to that team in 2001 too. There were a lot of changes. But is there something about like – the guy that all the buzz is about leaving that forces the rest of a team perhaps to elevate itself in some ways? Absolutely. There, there's no question that Harper is an impact player, uh, but he came with a monstrous price tag over $300 million. And, you know, he's a, he's a fiery guy. He's, he's all in and he's, you know, sometimes finds himself in trouble, you know, with, with uh, the, the umpires or just the frustrations boil over highly competitive and a lot of that on paper is translated generally well in terms of his performance. But he's not, like you said, when Mike Trout, who hits 300 every year, Harper, you know, hit 250. Two, you know, he has these kind of lower batting averages, but he gets on base a lot. Just a, a dangerous hitter, but not consistent. And and all of a sudden, when he was gone, you know, they had an opportunity to come together in a different way, where all these pieces had to rise. And a guy like Anthony Rendon their third baseman is now in the MVP conversation, had a phenomenal season. Uh, so there is something to it. And, and sometimes star power is, you know, you draw fans, it's a big ticket item. They're, they're media darlings, all these things. It doesn't necessarily mean this is the guy that's going to win us a championship. And uh, it's worked out exceptionally well. Uh, Harper goes out the door and they find themselves in the World Series. We're speaking with Doug Glanville about the baseball postseason. The Nationals going to the World Series. Washington in the World Series for the first time in almost 90 years, going back to the old Senators and the rebooted Senators. And, and Doug, you have um, some exciting news. Um, this fall, you are uh, at UConn. You're starting a new program, which gets started in the spring. You're in kind of an observational role, I understand, uh, this fall, starting a new program at UConn about the study of sports and society. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Very, yeah, very excited about it. A couple of years ago, I was trying to feed off of my experience working with the Players Association when I was playing. I was on the executive subcommittee with Don Fear in the union, and I, I was fascinated by the, the relationship between labor, law, and baseball, and collective bargaining. So I did a lot of research, and it, when issues started to arise uh, with the discussion about athletes who are sort of engaging in activism or discussing social issues, and you always heard the, you know, the stick to sports camp, uh, that was something that was difficult for me to accept because I grew up in a town in Teaneck, New Jersey that voluntarily desegregated in the 60s and I watched the 70s come along and people working together across historically divisive lines and sports became the centerpiece uh, of an opportunity to have a forum of constructive engagement. Uh, the best of sports allows you to work with teammates from different backgrounds for one goal. The best of sports, you know, has us follow rules that are supposed to be fair and equitable. And that tone seemed to be a good way into a lot of the friction and tension we tend to have when we're discussing social issues and, and sometimes political issues. And, you know, so through that lens, 
I started to work on this course two years ago. And initially it was, maybe I could work with players in, in Major League Baseball Players Association. Maybe I can be a liaison through, in sports. And then I looked at it and I said, this is a course. So I started at my alma mater, University of Pennsylvania, and their Annenberg School of Communication. They gave me an opportunity. Really loved it. I had 42 students. And then Yale brought me in last year in the political science department. I continued to refine the course. And uh, absolutely loved it. The feedback was excellent. I learned just as much from the students. And I was able to dig up a lot of current events and news around uh, athletes that are speaking on issues, sports, and where the roles are. I get into First Amendment, constitutional law. I get into um, you know the, the strategies behind communication, social media. And, and it's very open to different ideologies and ideas. I want us all to be able to come together. And UConn gave me this chance to see it in a, a bigger way than just the classroom in my, you know, 20 to 40 students. I'm able to work with a group in the sports management department of the School of Education, and uh, and I have a, access to incredible athletes and, and strong national programs that are always, you know, sort of working in these social spaces. So uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. It, it collides and converges a lot of things that I've been passionate about. And I've had personal experiences that I felt I could share that could help uh, add to that conversation for the students. And like Yale, where you were teaching uh, most recently, I believe UConn has a polo team, right? They're, they're two of the only schools with polo teams, I think. So, you know, there's there is... <laughs> Yeah, and why not be a polo activist? You know, you certainly, you know, you could. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I had I had direct experiences in Connecticut. I um, 2014, I had a, a story where I was shoveling my own driveway, and an officer, a police officer from another town, stopped me and asked me if I was trying to make money shoveling people's driveway. And it was a very tension-filled moment. It led to a lot of conversation. I wrote about it. But what I learned is, you know, a lot of the police officers where I grew up were volunteers in how I learned to play baseball. Uh, they were my coaches. And my father, who was who a psychiatrist, he worked with the police force to uh, help them through a lot of the challenges and the stresses of being an officer. So I had that relationship with law enforcement as coaches, as teammates, ultimately. And sure, I had these this very difficult experience personally, but I could look at it through a lens of solutions. I could look at it through a lens of of seeing a relationship work well. And I know a lot of people don't necessarily have that experience, but most importantly, it turned into a legislative solution and the activism of working through it and uh, in a collaborative way, working bipartisan was a good tool and a good experience to share with students about, yes, you can have differing opinions, but we can still come to a place of negotiation that's collaborative, uh, that still elevates us all deserving a place at the table. So, um, you know, these personal experience certainly was a driver to that content. We're speaking with Doug Landville, the former major leaguer who is now teaching at UConn. And as we discussed earlier in the show this week, a lot going on uh, in the last two weeks since the Daryl Morey tweet really sparking this firestorm um, about sports and about athletes and social activism and um, what what we can expect from them, what we can demand from them, what we can't expect from them. What kind of a teaching moment uh, would this have been if you had classes this week? Oh, absolutely. And, and I would have 100% brought this into the course. Um, well, I think one fundamental thing I work on is being informed. You know, that that is a, a great first step to trying to understand the issues. And, and it's fair to not know. You know, there's, there's so much out there, there's so much nuance. 
You look at Hong Kong and China, these challenges, um, you know, there's a long storied history that's not simple. And, um, and certainly we understand that there's political ramifications. Sometimes things are just politicized to make them have ramifications politically um, in, in a polarized way. But there's often consequences financially and business and all these coming together makes for a very challenging uh, position. You know, and I speak a lot in the class about absolutely you have a First Amendment right in the United States of America. Um, but however, they don't have, they have the right to not employ you. I mean, so you can speak, nobody's saying you can't, it's just, there are consequences and there's impacts and it may be worth it. It may be a trade-off. It may be a lot of things. So, um, we're constantly trying to understand and refine our constitution, our laws, and most of it's through the courts. And so I would use that moment to discuss, you know, okay, the GM tweeted this out on the Houston Rockets, a ripple effect in China brought into you know, Hong Kong and what's happening currently there. And we need to understand all these perspectives. We need to look at it. So I would look at it through these different lenses. I would take opinion pieces and pull together a different points of view on the issue. And then I'd look at the political implications and then how to move forward. And LeBron James gets in the middle of this. Uh, what does that mean? What can he do in the next steps? How important is this communication strategy? Uh, so it's a very holistic look and a patient look where we can dissect it. Uh, one of my students said to me, I was, she was so happy to find a space where we can patiently and respectfully walk through these issues and really understand the deeper dives on it and know that it's not necessarily simple, but we can still elevate humanity as a primary goal throughout regardless. And I thought that was something that stuck with me when she said that. Well, I'm sure it's going to be a, a great experience for the students who get to take uh, the courses and the new program that you're running at UConn. And uh, we thank you as always for your insights. Doug Glanville, the former major leaguer and now running uh, the program at UConn on Sports and Society. Doug, thanks for joining us. All right, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I'm Jeremy Schapp. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.